you know, we had talked to you about how that Josiah, one man, made a huge difference in a country coming to a place of revival. And we looked how that Jonah, I mean, you think about his little short message. That brought a great revival to Nineveh. So here in the book of Acts, I believe we see another instance of revival. And I I think a couple of things here that we'd like to think about. (coughs) Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 14. Now, realizing this, there's about 120. They've all gathered. The Lord has left 40 days after uh, His resurrection. He's gone, or after the uh, crucifixion, He is gone. And they're all gathered together, verse number 13. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotus, and Judas the brother of James. These all continued in one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Chapter number 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound of, from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house wherein they were, where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We'll stop there for now. But as you think about this, I believe that you could say this, there's one mind and one message in this revival. There's a group of people, and you know, really very insignificant group of people after three years of the Son of God preaching. Three years of Jesus Christ Himself preaching. There's about 120 people here. But listen to what the Bible says. These all continued with one accord in prayer. So the word there means this, a persistent, a great resolution to be devoted to, constantly attending to, continually devoted to, steadfast, with one mind, Harmony of interest and purpose. So what what are they praying about? I, I believe they're praying, and you might say, well, the Holy Ghost is coming. It is coming. But you know, they're praying for it to come. 
They're praying for He, the Holy Spirit, to come. Jesus said this in the book of Luke. And you know, I believe that... um, I believe we can think that God's going to do it without us. God's going to do it through us. God's going to work through us. Not without us. He's going to work through us. He says in Luke chapter number 24, verse 46, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in His name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Acts chapter 2, this scripture in Luke is going to be fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. But Jesus goes on to say, And you are witnesses of these things. So who's he talking to? His disciples, the apostles. He's talking to them. What's their job going to be when Jesus leaves this world? To preach about repentance and remission of sin through the Lord Jesus Christ. And and this is going to be preached uh, in His name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. So for them to preach this Word of God. And you know, I believe we could say this in, in two ways. God called men to preach. But that preaching is heralding the Word of God. But you know, there's, there's women, and there's men, and there's young ladies, and young men that are able to preach in this sense, in the sense that they can give witness of what God has done in their life, give witness through and by the working of the Holy Spirit in them, they can bear witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in their own heart and lives. That they were once dead in trespasses and sin, and they can herald that message. I'm not saying that God called little boys and called women to preach His gospel. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that as far as heralding the message, that the church can herald the message. Men, women, boys and girls, to those that are saved, we can herald that message. But notice this. You tarry at Jerusalem until you be endued with power. Though you're going to preach this message, though you the message of repentance and remission of sin should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. So what are they praying for in Acts chapter 1? I believe they're praying for the promise of the Father. They're praying that they would be endued, be clothed with. 
And you might think, well, that, that's really not that important. But I would call your attention to Luke chapter 11 when they asked the Lord, teach us to pray. At the end of what the Lord teaches them and speaks to them about praying, He gives a parable about a man that came in the middle of the night and he didn't have anything to set before the traveler. The traveler wanted bread, he didn't have any. And he went to his friend and he got his friend out of the bed, got bread and gave it to the traveler. And he said it like this, And I say unto you, ask and you receive. He that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a father ask a son, if a son ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? If he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? Remember, all of this is about praying now. And if he ask an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If ye then being evil, evil in comparison, a father being evil in comparison to God, if you a father, you a mother, know how to give something good to your children, does God, who is man being evil, God being great and good and righteous and pure, does He know how to give good gifts? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? That's what He said to pray for. He said for us to pray for the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, they are together. And you know what they are? They're of one mind. They are in harmony. When the choir gets up, and that man that had the sense to write the music, write the song, and maybe he wrote the song and somebody else wrote the music, but when that person wrote the music, they wrote the alto, the soprano, the tenor, and the bass, and they made all of those to blend together, and it's a beautiful harmony. These people in the upper room are praying with a constancy, with a steadfastness, with a zeal. They're there for ten days. Uh, friend, I believe that they're there continually, constantly, steadfast. They're, they're, they, they've, got a, they've made a resolution. They are there and they are there with one mind and one heart and one, one thought in mind. They've got one aim, one goal, and they are praying that God would send the Holy Spirit that they might be equipped to share the message. This oneness of mind, can you imagine if we all were praying for one object? That it was so near and dear to every one of us that all of us, our hearts was moved toward that our mind was stayed upon that, and we were in a harmony over that. I believe we could say this, whatever Larry's object is, whatever Mary Ruth's object is, whatever Greg Fowler's object is, whatever Heather's object is, I believe we could agree on this, that we could come in harmony for the need of the Holy Spirit. I believe that every one of us could agree and we could all pray for the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. If we could have a one mind, one mind that God, what we need above all things, 
is Your Spirit in our heart, in our lives, in our service. Lord, we need Your Spirit to come down. And you know, the Lord said, you carry it, Jerusalem, until you be clothed. Till you be, till you be uh, uh, invested, not invested talking about money, invested with clothing, having a vesture on, and that vesture is the Holy Spirit. So whatever your object might be, whatever my object might be, we could come together with one mind about the need of the Holy Spirit. We need He, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. There's people from all over the world right there that day. And you know that the Holy Spirit equips these Galileans, and the Bible said they were all Galileans, right? So the Holy Spirit equipped all these Galileans to preach a message that everyone in their particular language and in their need and their country and what they knew, the Holy Spirit was able to reach every object. So if we could come to harmony for that, for He, for His presence, for His Spirit, for the power of God, for the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. I mean, Jesus said, now, you stay at Jerusalem. Don't you go out. Don't you leave. You stay there because that's where it's going to begin. The preaching of repentance and remission of sin is going to begin at Jerusalem. And it's not going to begin until the Holy Spirit descends and clothes you and invests you and and equips you and gives you the Spirit and the power of God that you are able to reach that person. Now, it's not the disciples that are reaching the person, but again, through them. Right? Right? The Holy Spirit is coming. Well, it's, he, He's going to come whether they pray or not. That's not the way they think. They think we're going to pray. We're going to pray because this is what God's commanded us to do. We're going to, we're going to tarry at Jerusalem and we're going to pray. I don't believe that they have any idea on the day of Pentecost that there's going to be people from all over the world, nor do they have any idea of, of, of the magnitude of how their message is going to go out unto all of the world that day. They're going to be able to speak in languages that no, no, none of these Galileans has ever been able to speak before, but through the world, of the Holy Spirit. Now I realize, preacher, now that was on the day of Pentecost and, and, and it's over. It may be over in the particular, but it's not over in, in, in the whole realm of it. The Holy Spirit of God, listen, I may not be able to sympathize with your object and you may not be able to sympathize with my object. But He, the Holy Spirit, knows how to work through me and work through you and work through somebody else that He can sympathize with that man and that woman and that lady and that person and God is able to work through us 
to reach those objects that are in need of a work of God in their heart and lives. And it comes with one mind. This revival was brought about with one mind and one message. The message is the Lord Jesus, but the mind, there has to be a oneness of mind to come first. If we could come to a oneness of mind, and I know your object is particular and particularly heavy to you. There might not be anybody else. You might think that, that this person or that person shares the same, they feel the same weight that you do. I say that, that's, that honestly, that's very unlikely. Most likely, your object that is so weighty to you, nobody else can feel the weight of that like you do. But He, the Holy Spirit, is able to help you with your object, me with my object, that man with his object, that person with her object. And when we come with a oneness of mind that God, what we need, our Lord, I'm not asking, I'm not asking for my particular object per se, but I'm asking that you would address it. I'm asking God that you would equip me. I'm asking God that you would make a way. I'm asking Lord that you would come by with your spirit, with every individual that sits in the church then God, You equip us. God, You clothe us. You empower us. You give us that. And God, if You're there, it won't matter what the object is, the solution and the means and the power for the object to come to pass will be available. What Greg Fowler's got on his mind and what's weighted to him may not be what is on Greg Warren's mind and what's weighted to him. And it's the same for every one of us. But He, the Holy Spirit, we could have this. We could have a oneness of mind that we need He, the Holy Spirit, and if He comes by, I tell you what He can do. He can address every object exactly the right way. And friend, we can all be in unison. We can all be in harmony. Uh, Heather's not feeling like I forgot her object. Anthony's not forget uh, feeling like I forgot his. Nor do you feel like somebody else has forgot you. If He, the Holy Ghost, comes by, you know what we'll be? We'll be in unity one with another and with Him most of all. So if we could unify around that, that's what brought this great revival. I'm not saying that their praying was what brought it all together. I'm saying that their praying was part of it. They're praying and they're one in mind and their unity and their harmony was what was one part of what brought the revival. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. So that word means to be complete. So when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord and one, they were still in one mind. They're still gathered together. They're still praying. 
They're still seeking after God. There's still a oneness there. There's still a constant attending to. There's still a devotion to. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all. I, I, I wish you could just notice right down through chapter number 2, uh, the word all, over and over and over and over. Uh, then when the day was come, they were all in one chord. Uh, uh, verse number 4, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Verse number 6, Every man heard him speak. Verse 7, they were all amazed. Are not all these Galileans? Verse 8, how every man in her own tongue. Uh, verse number 12, and they were all amazed. I tell you, friend, there's a work of God going on and it's having an effect on everybody there. And it began with a unity of mind to pray for the presence of of the Holy Spirit. Now we know this. There's only one message, and that message is the Lord Jesus. He told us that in Luke. He told us in Luke that remission of sin, repentance and remission of sin in the name of the Lord Jesus, that's their message. And you know something? That's the message throughout the book of Acts. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who came lived and lived a perfect, spotless, blameless life for three and a third years, died on the cross for my sin and for your sin and whoever you're talking to and whoever it might be uh, that God's placed on your heart and whoever it might be that's lost and undone. Uh, friend, know this. You give them the message that Jesus died and friend, He paid a sin debt. And friend, if they could believe that message, if the Holy Ghost could convince them of that and they would resigned to that, realize they're sinners on the road to hell, they need to repent and believe in the remission of sin through Christ. They can be saved. That's our message. One mind and one message. What a revival. 3,000 people saved the first day. Isn't that amazing? Verse 41, and they that gladly received his word. Why did they receive Peter's word? Why did they receive? I tell you, it was because the Holy Ghost did a work in them. There was, and listen, it was the Holy Ghost working through Peter, and it was the Holy Ghost working on the hearer. It was the Holy Spirit working in the deliverer or the herald, and it was the Holy Ghost working in that one that was hearing Peter's message. Uh, it was the presence of the Holy Spirit of God and friend through and by uh, the presence. And you know something? God help me to invite Him. God help me to ask Him to come and help me. God help us each and every one to invite Him to our service. Invite Him to our preaching. Invite Him to our preaching. Invite Him to our singing. Invite Him to our praying. Invite Him to clothe us. God help me to disappear and let Him to be seen. Let the Holy Spirit of God come by and envelop us and empower us and give us that that we stand in need of because without Him we can do nothing. But Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Where was Christ? When Paul wrote that letter, where was Christ? 
sitting on the right hand of God the Father. Who was equipping Paul? Who was helping Paul? Who was strengthening Paul? He, the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going, to send, I'm going to send another one. That word means one just like me. I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send one to walk with you. I'm going to send one to walk beside you. I'm going to send one that can help you to strengthen you. I'm going to send one who can have an influence on the sinner. You believe that? You believe He, the Holy Spirit, can work through you and have an influence on the sinner. Let's go to John 16. John 16, verse 7. Jesus has told him he's going to die. He's going away. He's going to be killed. Verse number 6. John 16, 6. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow has filled your heart. <laughs> you know what Peter said? Peter said over Matthew, no, Lord, that ain't going to happen to you. You know what the Lord said? Get behind me, Satan. The man that had just said a few verses before, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. God gave him a revelation. Even Jesus said that was why. It wasn't because you saw it with your natural eye. It wasn't because of me, Peter. But it was because God revealed that unto you. Know this. It'll take the same God that revealed who Jesus was to Peter to reveal who Jesus is to our lost people. But He'll be working through us. He'll be using us. And it'll be He, the Holy Spirit, who helps us. It'll be Him that's doing the work. And I'll just be the pipe carrying the water. That's all. Does it matter, Chris, if it's the first piece of four-inch pipe? If it's the last piece? If it's the piece that they made on Tuesday or the piece they made on Saturday or the piece that's made a year and a half, does it matter which piece of pipe or does it matter about the water flowing through it? I tell you, God can make use me. He can use you. He can use you. And friend, all I am, the honest of God truth is, all I am is a pipe carrying the water. But know this, that He is going to use a pipe to carry the water. I'm going to send a comforter. This is what Jesus said. You, you, you're sad because I say I'm going away. I'm going to die. But He said, Nevertheless, I tell you of a truth. It's expedient. It's better for you. It's advantageous for you that I go away. It, 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 it's good for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter, the comforter will not come. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. <laughs> now we know this. We know he got there. We know he was accepted. 
We know that God, we got that by the resurrection, but know this. Know that He got there and He sent back the Holy Spirit to be a comfort to you and I, how to be a help to you and I, how to be one just like He is. I'm going to send you another one. I'm going to send one just like me. And thank God I'm not going to have to go to Galilee or look up in the Mount of Olives or look down at the temple to see where He's at. He's going to dwell with me. He's going to be in me. And you know what He's going to do? He's going to equip me to help somebody how to see who the Lord Jesus is. Listen to what the purpose of He, the Holy Spirit, is. If I depart, I will send Him unto you. And when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin. Convict. He's going to bring the world... He's going to convict. He's going to expose. He's, he's going to bring a conviction and a power. They said over in chapter number 2 uh, that they were pricked in their heart when they heard Peter's message. You know, it wasn't Peter pricking their heart. Peter didn't have a sword out pricking their heart. I tell you, it was that Holy Spirit flowing through the pipe of Peter the Apostle. It was the Holy Spirit in those words, a friend that they crucified the Lamb of God. It was that that brought the prick into their heart. And they said, men and brethren, what must we do to be saved? One mind and one message brought this revival. And listen, you can discount it and you can play it off and you can say that was the day of Pentecost, that can't never happen again. If we can be in one mind and we can pray for He, the Holy Spirit, and we can come in harmony and we can be endued with power, it can happen again. I know the world and the devil and the flesh says not today. But I'm telling you by the Word of God, yes, it can be today. Don't fall for that lie. This is what he says. When he comes, I send him, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin. Now, isn't that wonderful? It's not you. And I, I, I would say this to try to help you. Don't take it personal when you're rejected. You want to talk about hunting and fishing and shopping and children and baseball and race car? They're fine with you. It ain't you they don't like. It's the message. It's the Holy Spirit that works through you that brings conviction. I thought about this this week. When they desired Barabbas and wanted Jesus to be crucified. Why? Pilate said, why? Why do, you want to, why do you want to crucify Jesus and release Barabbas? We want rid of that man. He brings conviction to me. He brings me to a place that I feel uncomfortable. He brings me to a place that He brings me under guilt. He brings out my sin. He brings out my lies. He knows what I'm thinking afar off. Get rid of Him and I'll feel better about myself. Isn't that the way that it really is? So don't take it personal when you're rejected. The rejection is the Spirit of God 
The rejection is the message. <coughs> Notice, it wasn't Peter. They didn't reject Peter when they come under conviction. When they were pricked in their heart, they said to Peter, what can we do? What do we need to do? You see, the power of God did a complete work that day. They preached Christ. They preached their guilt. They preached their sin. They preached and God through the Holy Spirit brought them under conviction and they wanted to be saved. All of that was through these men that were praying in chapter 1. But listen just a little farther. When He has come, He will reprove the world and of judgment. He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on Me. Of righteousness because I go to My Father and you see Me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. So what's the work of the Holy Spirit? The work of the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction. The work of the Holy Spirit is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. The work of the Holy Spirit is to get rid of the lies of the devil. He is going to get rid of those lies that man loves to believe. Man loves darkness. The Lord Jesus said that Himself, didn't He? So God, through the Holy Spirit, is going to turn the light on. Though a man wants to hide his eyes, and though a man doesn't want you to turn the light on about the way he's living, the Holy Spirit through you can turn the light of reproving sin, of bringing conviction, of getting rid of the lies of the devil, and showing them the Lord Jesus. We should be in one mind and pray for He, the Holy Spirit, to envelop and do us with power that we would have a message that would have an impact upon people. Jesus, in Luke chapter 11, when they said, Lord, teach us how to pray, when He come down to the end of His parable, when He come down to the end of that, you know what He's saying? You can ask for this and that and the other. And you know something? A father and a mother, it, 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 it might be, it might be, I asked Anthony and I asked Joseph. I said, I want to give them two boys a knife for Christmas. Is that all right with you? You know, they could have said, they could have said, well, they're too young. They might, they might get hurt. They might get cut. They might stab themselves. But you know, they made the decision whether that was okay or not. If a father can make the right decision for their sons and their daughters. Don't you reckon God knows the right decision for me? What's best for me? And when He come down to the end of the parable, He said, this is what you ought to pray for and what you ought to ask for from me. From God. Not from your brother, not from your daddy, not from your mother, not from the boss man. Ask me because I can give you the greatest thing that you stand in need of. I can give you a He, the Holy Spirit, to endue you with power. A church with one mind and one message can still have an impact in this world today. 
He will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. He said, if you don't believe on Christ, you're condemned already, right? Of righteousness because I go to my Father. What did He go to the Father and do? He made an offering for sin, did He not? The only offering that has ever been made for sin that was acceptable unto God was the offering of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And He also said this, and of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. You know what happened? The light of the world has come and the lies of the devil have been dispelled through the gospel. Just a little bit more. I'd like, I'd like to just... Uh, I, I, I'd like to look at an Old Testament Scripture that'll line up with chapter 2 in the book of Acts. If you would look with me in the book of Leviticus. The book of Leviticus chapter number 23. Now remember, Acts chapter 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost, so that penta means five or fifty, that's what they're talking about. Fifty days after the sacrifice, fifty days after the Passover feast, Fifty days after that, Leviticus chapter number 23, this is what the Bible says. Verse 15. Leviticus 23, 15. And you shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath. So remember this. The Sabbath was Saturday, okay? Jesus crucified Friday, laid in the tomb... Late in the tomb Saturday, Sunday morning before daylight, he's up. So count one day, Leviticus chapter 23, verse 15. You shall count unto you from the morrow, from Sunday. Okay? You shall count unto you after the morrow, 50 days. And you shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. So 50 days. So let's think about it like this. 50 days after they left Egypt, the law came down. Okay? 50 days after they left Egypt, the law came. 50 days after the law... 50 days after the offering was the day of Pentecost. 50 days after the Passover offering. So now let's think. So the day, that, the night really, that they left Egypt, they ate the Passover. 50 days from there, the law came. Okay? So 50 days after the Lord Jesus Christ came and was offered... Unto God. Fifty days after His resurrection is the day of Pentecost. And you know what's offered that day? A new meat offering unto the Lord. Fifty days later, this is in Leviticus 23, verse 16. Even on the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall you number fifty days, and you shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. You know what's going on on the day of Pentecost? I tell you, you talk about praise to God. We're not talking about a wheat harvest. 
We're talking about a harvest of mankind like has never, ever been before. We're not talking about coming out of Egypt. We're not talking about the law coming off of Sinai. We're talking about the Holy Ghost of God coming out of heaven and coming down and resting on man. And man is able to make an offering unto God. You know what's offered unto God today? Praise unto the Lord Jesus Christ for the Holy Spirit. Praise unto God the Father for the Holy Spirit. Praise unto the Son for uh, His offering unto God for my sin. But also this day, uh, friend, there's 3,000 souls added unto the praise to the family of God. There's a new meat offering today. Something that's never been offered unto God before. There's the Holy Spirit and they're offering praise through the work of the Spirit of God. Something brand new on the day of Pentecost that has never been offered unto God before. Three thousand souls are brought into the family of God on this day of Pentecost. Again, through the church, having one mind, praying for the enduing of the power of the Holy Spirit. And you read chapter 2. Every and all used over and over and over and over again through that second chapter. It was God working through them. And they were praying with one mind and a great harmony. Again, please... Be mindful of this. We may have different objects with different weightiness compared one to another about the weightiness of your object. But He, the Holy Spirit, is the one common denominator that can make it all come together. You know, it's like this. And I don't, I don't know, Darren could explain this a lot better. And maybe some of you could. But you know, I see some of these symphony, you know, just like the Asheville Symphony. That not, might not be one of the greatest in the world. But there's a conductor that is putting every bit of those, all of those instruments and all of those notes and all of that comes together. And you talk about beautiful. There is one conductor over the church. And that is He. The Holy Spirit. So please be mindful that through one mind and one message, our world can still be reached today. God help us to come together in unity and harmony on this. We all need He, the Holy Spirit.